Hello and welcome again to another conservative historian podcast. This is your host, Bell Lavis, and our subject today is going to be movie series and prequels. As is often the case with a lot of these uh, conversations, I am joined today by my brother, Gus. Hello, Bell. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Gus. And I just wanted to note, as I always do, put a little timestamp on this guy. We are September of 2022. And what I'm going to do is just to kick this off is prequels. For some reason, prequels are driving me crazy. And especially because on Amazon, I've been watching the, I I don't know, Rings of Power, Power of Rings. And then over on HBO, you even have a prequel to Game of Thrones. And what drives me crazy about prequels is we already know what's going to happen. In the Rings of Power, the evil menace is Sauron. Okay, well, Sauron was the evil menace in the Lord of the Rings. So basically, we know that everything that these characters in the prequel are doing are essentially going to mean failure. Because we know they don't end up uh, doing anything with Sauron. He ends up getting uh, uh, away with it and almost then takes over Middle Earth until he is formally and utterly destroyed uh, in Return of the King. So this is always my thing with prequels. So God forbid, I might think that it's a it's a money grab. No, of course it wouldn't be. No, with, of course it wouldn't be. And with that, I wanted to turn this over to Gus to just talk a little bit about your concept of movie series and artistic to money. I know exactly what you're saying with prequels. And I actually put prequels in the same category as series. Um, if you've got if you've got multiple films on one subject or one world um, or one multiverse, um, they're all series. And the farther you go into a series and the more that are created in that series, the more it is monetarily driven and the less it is creatively driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why so few series, the, the sequels are, are rarely as good as the original, very rarely. I, I love now, that. Yep. Go and, ahead. And and I and I also think that that when we're talking about series, we need to do a little bit to define our terms. Um, do you consider, for example, the first ring trilogy a series, or is that one continual piece of work? See, especially the way that Peter Jackson did it, I would consider it a piece of work. The issue is 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 bathroom breaks and time for somebody to sit through nine hours of movies. Yep. So they chunkified it into three three-hour movies, and even then there was sort of this intermission type period. Sure, and and Jackson was shooting stuff from all three movies mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Yeah, famously. Yeah. Yep. Um, and also the fact that you think of series as more of a, a modern concept. Um, a couple of very early ones. There were six Thin Man's in the '30s and '40s with Dick Powell and Myrna Loy. And there were seven mom pot kettles. No way. I did yeah. not know that there was many thin men. Is that the yeah. one with Asta? The dog Asta? Yes. Or am I thinking it is? Yeah, is, hey. yeah it is with, the, with I... the dog Asta and, and, and they're <laughs> drinking constantly. And if they're not drinking, they're alluding to drinking. And smoking too. Right? Yes. Everybody in those yes. era smoking is cool. Look at me. Yeah. I'm turning my lungs into charcoal briquettes. um another one that i differentiate i I think is one story as opposed to a series is godfather one and two obviously yeah Yeah. um we can leave three out of the discussion thank you although although we might want to bring it into the discussion because coppola's had admittedly said it was a money grab yeah so that's the only reason he did it yeah, my, my frustration, obviously, there's many levels of frustration with that. So first things first, the Godfather movies is always interesting when they actually show them chronologically. Like they'll they'll take that middle section of Godfather 2 out and put it first before Godfather 1 in a way, because here's the genius of Godfather 2. It was a they put the prequel in to the sequel. Mm hmm. So you're you're you already know that Vito is going to become Vito the Godfather. He's going to Robert De Niro is going to turn into Marlon Brando, but you still don't know what happened to Michael. 
And the beauty of putting the prequel next to the sequel is you can see this, both of these young, promising men descending into uh, their lives. And therefore, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily even a prequel. It's a parallel. That's why Godfather 2 is so kind of cool. And I actually even, I don't necessarily like it better than one because it's much darker. But I love that genius concept of showing Vito's descent into the world simultaneous with Michael's. And in some ways, Vito's is a little bit more uh, of his own decision, his own independence. But there's that scene where um, one of his kids, it might probably, it's probably Fredo, is screaming and they're putting these weird glasses to their skin, like this weird way they would try to cure kids back then. Mm -hmm. And he's just standing there impotent without the money or the resources to save them. And yep. so in some ways, his desperation is similar, but different than Michael's, but but it's still kind of, it's like the same story, but it isn't. So it's such genius. I love that. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest opposite I see between Michael and Vito is that um, Michael screams every time I try to get out, they pull me back. Oh, in. We, so you're doing so the third it, one. <laughs> it is. Sure. I am. But it, it, so he, he does that by, he does that almost out of familial obligation. Yeah. Yeah. When he goes, when he goes and kills Salazzo. Um, whereas yes. Vito does it strictly for because he wants to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Though it is funny is, is somewhere in the 1970s. And I, I call it the Scarface factor mm -hmm. that this brilliant nuanced actor, uh, Al Pacino <laughs> after the Godfathers, <laughs> after Serpico, after his amazing dog day afternoon, somehow yep. morphs into uh, Scarface. And then from that moment on, he can only be the yelling guy. So, so the, the, the devil's advocate, uh, and then the ultimate classic scent of a woman. Hoo -ah! mm -hmm. Hoo -ah! That's the one I was just thinking about. <laughs> oh my God. When he's, he's literally in a school. Yes. And, and, and keep in mind, this is the hero of the story in a way I, yeah. I get Charlie's supposed to be the hero, but yeah. he's talking about burning a school down to the ground. And he gets like cheered for it. And he even yeah. gets a babe at the end. Like one of the professors comes up to him later, like this kind of attractive middle-aged woman. It's like, oh, oh, I really liked what you said back there. And I'm like, yeah, he threatened to burn the school down to the ground. Like, I, I, I believe the a, line is, if I were 10 years younger, yeah. I'd take a flamethrower to this I, place. Oh, uh, Gus, you were much more, new see, too nuanced. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ah. so, ooh, ah. somehow Al Pacino forgot how to act. <laughs> so what else on uh I love that you talked about the Thin Man series and then I love it, mm -hmm. Mon Pa Kettle. I haven't thought about yeah. them for years. As I was thinking about them, I was also thinking about the fact that that Hillbillies may be the <laughs> one segment of society that it would still be okay to lampoon. Oh, there's okay. Well, we we know we can knock off most of them that can't. Right. Uh, you can't lay them. Women have to be girl power, yep. especially in the movies. Yep. Uh, even you know, 120 pound women can throw 230 pound men around, defying the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. um, and I always love that. Why do women necessarily have to be physical action heroes? One of the greatest women heroes. Uh, who led movies in our time was Ellen Ripley. Mm -hmm. Ellen Ripley was not like this, this physically intimidating creature. She was just smarter yep. than everybody. And she was yep. smart enough to put herself into that giant like claw machine when she fought mm -hmm. other alien. And it's like, cause Ripley's smarter and Ripley's mm -hmm. clever and Ripley's in intuitive and resourceful. And, and of course you can't have that. No women today have to like be able to take a blow and fight with them. Like in the, in the latest Thor movie, like, like the female Thor is like stronger than the male Thor. Um, so women are out. Um, Latinos are, or I'm sorry, Latinx, Latinx. I don't know what to say there. <laughs> They're out. African-Americans are out. Uh, yep. Oh, there is one group. Um, corporations, corporations, corporations are in, you can, they are often yep. at the heart of all evil. Even the yep. Arab terrorists are out. You couldn't make, uh, 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger's true lies. 
mm-hmm. they, because something like core would come after you. Can't make that again either, even though it is definitely hard to find people to lampoon. Uh, though we do have uh, a hillbilly uh, running for Senate in Ohio who will probably lose later on. Gus, I want to talk about first time candidates, but that's a whole nother thing. Okay. We can do that on another so mom, occasion. Mom, pot kettle. Mom, pot kettle. I think one series that, that we need to talk about, and I think it's interesting, is the bond. Oh, oh yeah. What do you think about series. that? Well, Have I, 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 one lately? bits and pieces. Okay. I haven't, I haven't really sat down and taken one apart in probably 10 years. Um, but what I find interesting about it is how it is a sign of the times Mm -hmm. and they've been making Bond movies for 60 years and you can pick one and get to know on a somewhat familiar basis, what culture, fashion behaviors were like Mm -hmm. at that time. You take the bonds from the seventies and they're much different than the bonds from the sixties and the bonds today are just, they're just sanctimonious action yep. you know there's 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 no cleverness there's no humor um you know it's just as uptight as society is angsty yeah bond yeah. is angsty now and yeah. and is criticized uh for for uh, one they call him a misogynist which yep. is really kind of interesting um the other thing is uh the 80s were and it's funny the 80s were goofy right there was mm-hmm. one roger moore one yeah. And octopusy. It's like one of the famous, most cringy moments. He's mm-hmm. swinging on vines. Mm-hmm. And you hear the, yeah. the, the Tarzan yell. The Tarzan yell. And there was another one which so diminished it in Man for the Golden, in the Man with the Golden Gun, which was probably one of the least bonds. Yep. Uh, but you had this, this, this stunt, non-CGI stunt, in which a car drives off one uh bridge twirls in the air and then lands on another it was like one of the best stunts they would never do that today and they actually ruined it by doing a whoop whoop. and i'm just like no no that stuff was so cool why would you do the effect all you need you've got the crazy southern sheriff is in the car with yeah i was gonna say the poor man's jackie gleason yes yes because yeah, that's the guy who got passed over by Jackie Gleason for uh, yes. for what was it? Uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit. It's a classic. That would not get made today. Oh, no. Or Reynolds if so, would not have a career today. No, you'd have to be, uh, well, God. Well, and then you'd have to race swap the Bandit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like they've done with yeah. the Little Mermaid. Yeah. Did, you, did you see that, Gus? Yeah. Oh, I haven't. The no, Little Mermaid uh, is now uh, black. She's gotcha. Hans Christian Andersen, the Danish. Yes. <laughs> the Danish fixer writer. So on that controversy, it's just kind of funny because I don't, okay, let's, you know, let's step back and call what it is. Uh, she's a fish, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she's a yep. fish. You could, you, you know, or, or I don't know. Is she a mammal? I don't know. Is her tail like a fluke? Mammals like dolphins and whales have uh, horizontal tails, but mm-hmm. fish have vertical tails, like a shark. That's how mm-hmm. you can always know the difference. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but I don't think she, well, she can breathe. So she must be some sort of a mammal in any event. I don't really care about that. But my thing then is also, why why would Disney do that? Are they saying that the the young woman who's playing the part, who is in this movie ba- uh, Blackish or this TV show Blackish, She's certainly cute and has a nice singing voice. But my question mm-hmm. would be simply, is she literally the best possible choice you could find for the part of Ariel? Mm-hmm. Or did you wish to, as I tend to suspect Disney was doing, you wanted to make a statement. And that's where that's where the swapping kind of just gets me irritated. Not because, you know, I mean, you know, everyone's upset. Oh, female Thor. And I'm like, well, there was a female Thor in the comics, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't really care. Thor is a fictional person. Yeah. Uh, we're, but it's, but again, you're doing this to make a statement or as the critical drinker says the message. And he does it in a much better than I do. Cause he does it like with an echo in a Scottish brogue. Well, um, I think I, and I think it's even more sinister than that because, because it's they're, they're using the message 
in order to make money. They're not mm-hmm. making the film in order to send state a message. They're making the film in order to make money. Period. Yeah. And they're using the message to do it. Yeah, there's 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 pieces and parts of that. Yeah. Yep. And then well, yeah, and then when well, another thought I had was how dare they cast a human? Why couldn't they go out and find an actual mermaid to play the part <laughs> of the mermaid? Right? <laughs> and I and I'm like, okay, when you cast Joel Edgerton as Ramses in mm-hmm. in the you know who actually who actually existed, there really was a Ramses the second. Uh, yep. Was there a Moses? I don't know, but we've got the we've got the statues sitting at Karnak. There was a Ramses the second. We're pretty certain about that. And I get it, Joel Edgerton, who's who's Northern European. Um, and would it have been better to have found an Egyptian to cast that, or or even fictional Aladdin? You you in their case, they cast an an Arab. Do it, mm-hmm. um, you know, pretty good good actor, good looking kid, and okay. I guess it kind of makes sense because it, it adds to the authenticity of the moment. It adds to it, but then, okay. But then you can't turn around and say that what was clearly a Northern European creature. I mean, she, she, she ends up with Prince Eric. Eric is Mm -hmm. not, I'm pretty certain Eric is not an African name. I'm pretty certain historically it's Scandinavian. So on the one hand, you you have to cast Aladdin as an Arab, and I'm like, yeah, that that makes total sense to me. It adds to the it adds to the whole ethos of the production, right? Aladdin, it's an Arabian tale, but then to do that, so typical Disney, they want it both ways. And and a little more on Disney, okay? Um, Mickey Mouse law. What's that? Um, that is a law that Disney spent millions of dollars lobbying for to increase levels of uh, to, to push back um, when stuff will go into the public domain. Okay. How oh. long a copyright can sit for. Okay. Yeah. Because they don't want anybody saying anything bad about Mickey. <laughs> yes. Of Just think what people would do with Mickey if he were in the public domain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so how did South Park get a- come over here? How did South Park get away with um they did band in china with a character who's clearly mickey or he's got a tie uh, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it i recommend everybody needs it's basically their thing about china and in disney's if you will um what was the term when Navelle chamberlain appeasement that's it uh, appeasement appe- yeah their appeasement of the ccp um and it's just funny because you have mickey stomping up down going who uh, who is the asshole who is bad mouthing China? Yeah, <laughs> and all the all the Disney characters are standing in utter in abject fear of, of yeah. Mickey, who's wearing a tie. So he's uh-huh. clearly the representation of yeah. the hard ass Disney. Yeah, and, the hard ass corporate exec. Yes, yes, stomping up and down, and it was just—I mean, it was—it was so banned in China. It was so good, but. What do you know? Do you remember what season it was? No, no, I just remember that. And then, then of course, it was out on YouTube for a little bit, and then it disappears, as as often happens out on YouTube. Like, like, oh, look at this! I can watch the whole movie in clips, and then all of a sudden, one day, it's like, oh, they're all gone. It's all gone. Some lawyer figured out what was going on, and 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 sent sent a uh, terse letter to I think it's Google. I can't remember who owns YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's Google. Google or, it's Google or Facebook. <laughs> no, it's Google. This is sort of like when we're all working for Amazon someday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like my line about, about robots. Mm-hmm. I just hope when they become our, our, well, heck, we could say this about China too. When they become our overlords, I just hope that they, they treat us with decency, you know, yeah. that they're benevolent masters and not cruel ones like in Skynet mm-hmm. and in Terminator. Yep. <laughs> but they're hunting us down like animals. They're hunting us down. <laughs> and a, a, a little more about Disney. Um, I think if if we if we look at the continuum from art history to money grab, um, Disney <laughs> is probably the, the the most guilty of that. Especially looking at what they're doing with the Star Wars oh. multiverse. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that word up again. So with Marvel, they've invent they've created the multiverse. 
Yep. And it is, I don't know. I think it's one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard because, I mean, I get it's from the comics and all this kind of stuff, but here's the problem with the multiverse. There's no implication and no drama to anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert coming in the Avengers Endgame, Iron Man dies. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, and they even have a funeral for him. And yep. at the end, they do this closing shot, which begins with his, with his wife, who's played by Gwyneth Paltrow and his daughter. Yep. And then they pan back to his, his Captain America, who is his, who ultimately was his best friend. And then they show Peter Parker. And then they literally show every single Avenger is there for this funeral by this lake. They queue up this beautiful music. It's all, it's actually quite given that it's fiction. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite a little moving. Okay, but it's a multiverse, so Tony Stark's alive somewhere. And yeah. What's the thing? It's like it's like when they bring, it's like I, I know this sounds funny. Can I not just kill people? I know it sounds yeah. like really bad. In Stranger Things, they killed off the lead character, and then he comes mm-hmm. back in the next season, and it's just like, yeah. oh my god, because they had this poignant moment where where his daughter is reading this letter he left behind to her. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, he's not dead. Nobody's dead. Nobody ever dies. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't get the multiverse, Gus. Do you think? Do you think it it dovetails in with um, present day's relative view of truth that everything is fungible? I think there's a little bit of that. everything is fungible. Everything can change. There is no, there is no is. Yeah. I, I do. I, yeah, there's, there's no morality. It could be, could be the descent of religion itself. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the largest religion in the world and in the history of the planet is basically revolves around the concept of a person dying for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Death is at the very center of it. Think of what the, the symbol is. Yep. It's a symbol of horrible death. I mean, the again, it was interesting during the lifetime of the empire, the early Christians never depicted Jesus on the cross because they knew what being on the cross meant. It was only about 80 years after the end of the Western Roman Empire that you saw the depictions because that was the generation that had never seen a crucifixion. How horrifying mm-hmm. it was. And when was that? About the turn of the millennia? No, that would have been around the Roman Empire in the West ended in 476 okay. with Romulus Augustulus. Do you like that one, <laughs> that name? And uh, and so the first depictions in the early church began in the 500s. Okay. I'm glad we I'm glad we got that in a little, you know, it is the conservative historian podcast. So yeah, we, got we have to we have to get in some history. A, a little <laughs> little rank pundit history here. <laughs> yes, 476, dear listeners. So do you think that Harry Potter is sequels, or do you think that it's a continuation? Would you put it in the series, or would you put it in with the Ring Trilogy, for example? See, I think, the and again, this is, I think J.K. Rowling was a genius in some ways. Because one of the things is, is she created this world kind of, uh, kind of out of out of whole cloth. And yeah, she depended on stories. But then you could say, well, the great Tolkien, and he was great. He built yep. his stories on old Anglo-Saxon tales of you know of daring do, right? Shakespeare so, didn't come up with anything originally. He took stuff from folklore all over the place. That's what I mean. Yeah. So her, she created this whole world, but by doing it by year. Everything is a new year. So there's mm-hmm. a clear, obvious, much more so than in the in the three um in the three books of Lord of the Rings, there's a mm-hmm. clear delineation. He gets on the Hogwarts Express and goes back to the Dursleys every at the end of pretty much all of them. Uh mm-hmm. there's a couple, maybe he doesn't, but it's clearly end of year. Yep. And so there's these nice sort of lines of the adventure, but of course, underlying all of it is his ultimate confrontation with Voldemort. The brilliant, what she did was, is she put in all of these arcs in seeds in the first books mm-hmm. that later became one of my favorites is there's this character named Neville 
And mm-hmm. Neville is the only one who stands up to his friends and Dumbledore rewards him even more. Cause he says, well, it's easy to stand up against foes. He goes, yep. but to, but to stand up against your friends. And then later by the last book, it's Neville who's leading the revolution while Harry kind of goes and he's doing his quest. Neville's getting the crap beat out of him. When they mm-hmm. encounter Neville in the second part of the seventh book, Neville's bruised and battered and, you know, cause he's now he's leading the revolution. So she began that arc of Neville, who's kind of a comical figure. Mm-hmm. And, and it is kind of funny that the character, the actor, and again, they got some serendipity out of that cast. <laughs> the fact that like, okay, well, the one problem is Hermione's supposed to be kind of goofy looking in the, in the mm-hmm. whole thing. She's not the hottie. It's she, it's, but but I'm like, Emma Watson is a beautiful young woman. And oh, yeah. that's just serendipity uh, choice. Um, the casting of Ron Weasley, Rupert Grint is amazing. But it's funny is the Neville today is like this pretty good looking guy. And he wasn't mm-hmm. as a child. Like, yeah, he was kind of the ugly duckling. And now like women swoon over this, this guy. Yeah. And it's just funny how it's like, physically the actor's kind of journey resembled Neville's mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, Neville's story arc. Lucky that was Chris Columbus. And, he, and he's talked about that, that the fact yep. that he committed these, these kids to 10 years of work yep, of never ending work. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fun because they did a, an anniversary, a 20th anniversary with the three principals and then a bunch of the other supporting actors. Yep. I saw ta- that just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it was just for, for movie buffs that in and of itself was just kind of fun yep. about how, how young they were. They had, and they had, of course, no idea, you know, that now Daniel Radcliffe can never walk around again. Uh, yep. Emma Watson can't go to dinner. Um, you know, she'll get, she'll get mobbed. It's that kind of weird stuff. So yep. I, I think that one is a series. Oh, here's the other thing, Gus too. I, I don't know why I, I struggle with binging because, mm-hmm. because I can't, I can't take in too much. And I find I get by third or fourth season, I start getting bored because I clearly see the machinations of the writers and the producers stretching. Yep. Like they're stretching and they're filling. I couldn't get through Mad Men. I couldn't get yep. through Breaking Bad. I, I'm struggling Ditto. with Friday Night Lights and I love Ditto. the first season of Friday Night Lights. And just can't get through it. <clears throat> what do you think? Well, I, I I agree completely. I am not much for series television. Um, about the only one that I that I ever that I ever got through all the way. Um, well, there were a couple. One of them was Babylon Berlin, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. What was that about? Um, God, it's been a few years, but it's it's set in Berlin. Um, I want to say just before the war. And um, it follows the lives of several characters, and it's just beautifully written and beautifully shot. I'm gonna have to check that um, one out. And another one's Yellowstone. Oh, you like Yellowstone? It's so goofy. It's so goofy. It's wonderful. So I I started watching it, uh-huh. <laughs> and I I thought this was gonna be like this vehicle, like like it's gonna be like Bonanza. Uh huh. Yeah. Kevin no. Cos. Kevin Costner's the villain. I'm sorry, dear listener, if I'm giving that away. He's yeah. the villain. He's a psychopath. He's like an asshole. <laughs> like, like yeah. this guy wants to build a golf course near his ranch, and he's like threatening his life. Like he's threatening to hang yeah. him from a tree. And his he daughter, does. and his daughter is like a psychopath. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like she's she doesn't seem real to me. That's the only problem. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Not at all real. Yeah. Not at all. Um so did you see the episode where they had the bikers? I, oh, yeah, where he's having them dig their own graves. Yep, he's having them <laughs> dig their own graves. I was yeah. wondering if Taylor Sheridan was getting any hate mail from real biker gangs. I, who is Taylor Sheridan? Is that the showrunner? Yeah, he created it and, mm-hmm. and has written just about all of them. Um, I love it. He, he, also, he also wrote um, Helen Highwater. Yes, Yes, with Chris um, Pine. Yeah. Yep. So he, but Kevin Costner's the villain. Yeah. It's like he's, it's, the, he's the villain and the hero. 
Yes, it's more like Dallas than it is mm-hmm. like. Again, I was I tuned in thinking it was going to be like you know I'm going to fight these people off and fight the noble the noble cause. And of yeah. course, you're sort of rooting for him because it's from his perspective. But right. but he's I don't think he's like a good guy. It's more like Succession yeah. than it is he's like, like he's like he's like make them go away and never come back. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah. There's a totally uninhabited county. <laughs> And I threw all the bodies. Well, at one point, too, is at one point he says, he says, he says, not in my valley. Like, (laughs) your your valley. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you owned all of it, you know? (laughs) No, it's like. Have have you watched it all the way through? No. No, I have not. I have not. Is it still going on or did they end the series? Well, they're they're coming out with season five. Yeah. I just, even like Longmire, I'm going to get through Mm -hmm. Longmire. uh, But. But it's like I'm getting through it at this point now. Uh, I have to full disclosure uh, to Gus and and, and and listeners. I'm using uh, I'm using the fast forward button on certain scenes because I want to get through mm. it now. That's sad. I mean, it's sad. Like, what's the point then? Yeah, and and, and I and I and I agree with you completely when when you say you get bored. Um, I'm just sitting there going, okay, this is a, this is a two hour, this is a two hour feature and they're stretching it into yes. 10, one yes. hour episodes. Yes. Yeah. There's just not enough there, there. There's just not enough there, there. Yeah. That was lost. Oh my God. Yes. Oh God. Lost. It was just such a, I, yeah. Lost was lost was an incredible, like, like you said, 10, one hour shows, a yep. mini series. And yep. I've noticed they're coming back. And I love mm-hmm. the thought of a mini series. Like with Roots, if you had if, if from the 1970s, and I cite Roots a lot in mm-hmm. my podcast because there is this misconception put out by a lot of progressive historians and a lot of teachers, frankly, yep. that we need CRT because we have we haven't taught about African American culture. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Back in the 90s, I taught about slavery and Jim Crow mm-hmm. and Plessy v. Ferguson and Roots was 1977 and it got 40 percent, 40 percent of all televisions tuned in to Roots. The country knew all about the horrors of slavery. Everything was in there. The separation of families, the whippings, the murders, the uh, Chuck Connors, who was kind of a hero guy up until that point, was basically raped Kunta Kinte's daughter and, and, and the son uh, Rooster George is his son. So it's all there in roots, it's mm-hmm. all the horrors of it. And this was 40 years ago, but in any event today, they'd like, Oh, Rooster George is about to get his freedom. And then he isn't, Oh, yep. you know, <laughs> just go on and on and on. So, so Chuck Connors and Robert Reed have something in common. Chuck, don't tell me it's Chuck Connors. Was he gay? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. The rifleman? Yep. He also played in the NBA. Guess you're making this up. Mm-mm. We all knew about Robert Reed because the, the Brady books. Because <laughs> yeah, Greg was having fun with Florence. Yes. But not Robert Reed. No. But not Robert Reed. I liked his dad. I liked his Mike Brady. Mm-hmm. He never yelled at his children. He never, yep. you know, he was always there for the family. He supported hard nine working. people, hardworking. Yeah, he was in his den a lot doing work, you know, yep. trying to build factories for B.B. Galini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much, that's a name you haven't thought of in about uh, uh, since you were a boy. Yeah. Long, long time. Yeah, B.B. Galini. His you work know, in Giants. the rest though? of them that we don't know about. Yeah, it. It is interesting because which is kind of a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people lament these times, and I'm just like, listen, you can you can be now today. At least I'd hope you could be a prominent actor, and still. And I don't I don't mean just certain roles, but um, I don't know. I there's probably still a little bit of a stigma towards it. I think, um, yeah, and I and I think somebody like. Um, and I'm getting old and words don't come to me the way they used to Doogie Hauser. Yes. Yep. And then he can absolutely get away with it. But how do you think people would react if Chris Hemsworth came out? Yeah, that's the thing. Or the most, like the biggest really movie star of the last 50 years, who's, who's mm-hmm. held it together. We talked about this 
before, which is that if you look at the arc of time in which you were a star, so let's take John Wayne from, uh, what was his first one? It was the Wagon Trail, Wagon Train? Yeah, his first his first big breakout was was um, um, Stagecoach, Stagecoach for John Ford in which, 39, I believe. So, so he was prominent from 39 to 75. So that's yep. 35 years. Tom Cruise, uh, Risky Business, I would argue, was really mm-hmm. kind of his first thing was like, what yep. was that? Yep. That was his breakout. 1982? Although he was years? in The Outsiders for Francis Coppola. Yeah, but that was, there was, oh yeah, The Outsiders is always one of those things. Okay, let's let's do the list. Pat, <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Yep. C. Thomas Howell. Yep. Ralph Macchio, the karate yep. kid. Yep. Uh, Leif Garrett, the villain, he gets killed. Yep. Spoilers, yep. spoilers. Diane, uh, Diane Lane. Oh God. Uh, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. I mean, that movie was like spawned the next 20 years. And what it's always interesting. So here's always that weird thing. Who becomes the star? Because yeah. Tom Cruise's role was very small in that. Very small. Like, like Patrick Swayze is, um, I want to say, Daly or Dari. He was the leader of the of the right. brothers. He was, Cause, as they cause, always Because there were no parents. There were no parents. No, he was the father figure. And I always love the line is, is if it wasn't for us, he, he would have been a social. Mm-hmm. Like they would have taken him in and put him on the track, but he's there, but he's got to take care yeah. of all, all of these guys. And he takes, yeah. So you would have, you would have seen that coming. Cause I, I mean, after dirty dancing, he was probably the biggest star on the planet. And mm-hmm. then he also, he also had ghost roadhouse was a stupid movie, but it was a hit. So Patrick Swayze actually had kind of a nice career. And I think mm-hmm. he, I think he'd be, he, if he were still alive, he'd still get work, but, yep. but, but Tom Cruise, there's nothing like this. His biggest box office movie with him as the lead, as an action star was mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And he's got a mission impossible movie coming out. Uh, number seven, I mean, I just, you know, they're going to do another, uh, they're going to do another Top Gun. They're going to have to, because they want, as you said, you kick this off the money. Yeah. So I find that guy just wild. I mean, that's wild stuff. But I always kind of wondered sometimes he's, he's with, no, not that this is a thing, but he's with Nicole Kidman and they don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the weird crap with Katie Holmes. And it just almost felt like, is he, is he overcompensating almost? Mm -hmm. So that would be the one I think would be really interesting, but I don't, I don't know if he is or isn't, but yeah. clearly, clearly it is diff- It's still difficult to come out as an action star yep. and, and being gay because Doogie Hauser is not uh, going to be getting any, uh, you know, he's not going to be leading the, the, the U S seventh army into uh, whatever fictional country they were using in Maverick. Yep. But he <laughs> sure is talented. Oh Yeah. Yeah, he's so talented. He's incredible. I know. I love that we call him Doogie Hauser, though. Too. Yeah. Which of course, totally dates us. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, that's one he of was, those roles. He was twelve. That's one of those roles, though, where, like, if you're talking about a child who does like adult stuff or is a genius, it's like you're yeah. Doogie Hauser. It's like Coke. All right, I do have to ask your opinion, uh, Gus, just to veer into politics. Uh, okay. What was your thoughts on the on the migrant shipping, <laughs> the putting them on a plane and sending them to Martha's Vineyard? <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and to Manhattan, and they dropped a bunch of them <laughs> off in front of the vice president's house. I mean, part of me cringes because these yes. are people. Okay. Yep. Keep going. But but then the other part of me always says they came into the country illegally. Now, I have since been educated, of course, on uh, Twitter, which is the fun of Twitter, is is you can be educated that, in fact, because of asylum rules, you can come into the nation, declare I need asylum, and then you get put into a legal process. So there's a it's a it, to me, it's a giant stretch of the term legal. Yep. yep. And yet. I'm like, well, technically you could put them into a camp outside Mm -hmm. of San Antonio. Uh, Technically you could, and the camp could be, I don't know, kind of jail-like. 
or you yep. could drop them into the Tony Martha's Vineyard. Uh, people mm-hmm. in which uh, our, our, our esteemed uh, former president, remember, uh, I say this in every single conservative historian podcast until it sinks into everybody's brain. It is an office. It is not a title. And so former President Obama, he was a president. He isn't anymore. Same with Trump. I think he could accommodate at least 20 of those cats in his house. It's like sure. 15,000 square feet. It's like yeah. on, it's on five acres. Mm-hmm. We, how about set up a couple of tents? Yeah, crap. put up some tents. Get 20 of them in there, you know? But the, uh, and I want to, and I, w- I want to touch on Obama a little bit before we're done. Oh yeah, well then, uh, uh, go for it. Well, no, first, you were first you, migrants. You, 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 you were right on the edge of the cliff, and you didn't jump off. Okay, jump off. Let's take us there. We're like, like Thelma and Louise it, it, in, in, in the car. In one sense, it was just absolutely beautiful. The dropping off of the in Martha's Vineyard. On what a brilliant island. gesture! On an island. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's cringeworthy. Yes, absolutely. It's cringeworthy. And, and could I condone it? No, but yeah, I wouldn't have done it. says that is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And the other two things too, about it is number one, we're talking about immigration. Yep. We're talking about the influx with to Arizona, Texas, and Florida. And the reason I, I pull those out and not New Mexico is because come on people. The long-term plan of the Democratic Party is, is to bring in enough immigrants and put them on a path to citizenship to become future Democratic voters and flip those three states, which mm-hmm. if Arizona, Florida, and Texas go, per, even purple, uh, the, the GOP will not win another election again. That's yep. the long-term, that is the, that's the long game. And if you're not thinking the Dems know how to play the long game, uh, you can't uh, pronounce Pelosi. That's that much we know. So, of course, the whole political pawn thing is his BS. But we're talking about that. The other yep. thing is, what are we not talking about? As mm-hmm. as we as we um, start to watch our, our red tsunami slip away, becoming a puddle. And mm-hmm. God forbid we, if we don't take the House, because then we're going to get Puerto Rico as a state and a filibuster and a, and a packed Supreme Court. And the problem with this is that the Democrats would like the nation to believe this is all about DOPS and that we're now talking about abortion. That's the reason. Mm-hmm. But the problem is about four weeks after DOPS, another thing happened. Mar-a-Lago raid put Trump into the headlines. Mm-hmm. If DOPS may or may not get the fanatics up and running, but Donald Trump gets everybody uh, every hackle is raised, including the yep. independents, including yep. those suburban white females who decide the elections. Those sitting mm-hmm. around in the suburbs of Milwaukee and Philadelphia and Detroit, those are the people who flip those those states. And I'm intentionally picking on those states, um, you know, Pittsburgh as well. You talk about Trump. If Trump is at the center of any discussion, the GOP is going to lose whatever that is. And Mm -hmm. if we're talking about immigration, we're not talking about the latest idiocy coming out of Mar-a-Lago. And and of course, the Democrats would desperately want us. And in fact, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I always love to say that. And then, of course, be uh, a prof or a conspiracy. But I always wonder if that was like thought about um, when they when they did the raid. Of course it was. So you wanted to talk about Obama. Well, and and I wanted to I wanted to compliment you on your last podcast. Okay, thank you. I thought it was very 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 good. And you and I being brothers, we have different styles. <laughs> so what you do is you thoroughly research a subject and you think it through and you have all your ducks in a row and and you come up with very good comprehensive arguments um, for for what you believe, and then I roll in and after you and just just oversimplify the bejesus out of it. <laughs> um, who would you rather have a beer with? That is the iron law of Gus Avis. That is the that is that is so, an iron law. So what I have done on a number of occasions is I have asked 
rather ardent liberals if they thought Barack Obama was a good president. And invariably, they say, yes, mm -hmm. he was a great president. And mm -hmm. I say, well, how can you say that? He not only advocated the use of fossil fuels, he participated in the use of fossil fuels, mm -hmm. which means he was working on killing the entire planet. Yeah. How does that compare to slavery? So if you're going to denigrate the founding fathers, you have to denigrate Barack Obama to even a greater extent, because the way you're looking at things, his actions are much more egregious than theirs were. There was a silent pause there, and that's usually what happens. Yep. There is, it is met with silence. Yeah, or, or on Twitter, they'll just like find something else to castigate you or just, or just start heaping yeah. terrible derogatory terms. I have been told on Twitter on many occasions to do things of which I'm pretty certain I am not physically capable, <laughs> nor really is any human being for that matter, unless they, you know, maybe John Holmes of the old, uh, you know, 1970s porn industry could do what they're asking me to do. But, um, you know, and, I'm not, and, and of I'm course, no John you, Holmes, you know, but then again, who is? If you can't attack the argument, attack the arguer. I like that. I'm going to use that next time. I, I'm okay. dead serious. I'm, this will be now be the second iron law of Gus Avis. <laughs> the first one is, who would you rather have a beer with? Yep. I, I, I've gone, you know, I've actually used that for like 100 years and struggled to, even though I, I'm not certain Roosevelt would have, would have drank beer because he was <laughs> such an aristocrat. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, uh, would you rather have one with him or Herbert Hoover? I mean, this is yeah. not. Yeah, it, it works. It works very. It works very well. Yeah, Thomas Dewey with, or Harry. With Trump. Roosevelt, you could say, "Who would you rather have a Napoleon Brandy with?" Yes, yes. <laughs> with his long cigarette holder and his in stuff. a snifter, sitting yeah, in high back leather chairs by a fireplace. What I always love is in the Roosevelt White House. Like mm -hmm. the cocktails were a big thing. And we're not talking sure. on the weekends. We're talking every night. And we're not talking like one or twosies. We are talking like, like Roosevelt was pretty odd. The six foot two Roosevelt, he had this guy, this burly, like strong man, essentially, who had to get him into bed. Because yep. obviously, famously, he, he didn't have the use of his legs. And part of the problem too is at night he was, he was so much schnockered and his arms were actually very strong. Uh, okay. But he's, but he's, but he's half schnockered. So he, he has no coordination. So he's this wrestling guy, with him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I always love it. And then I always, uh, that's, that's another, funny. that's another line I like. Um, nobody can be hero uh, to their valet. And I would also add to that. Nobody's really a hero to their spouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody's a hero to their valet. No. Um, although I have to differ with you on that, and this takes us back into the movies. Okay, here we go. Patton had several valets that I would think thought yeah. he a hero. Yes. Yeah, that's probably true. But that's few and far between. And then, uh, another aide, Patton's complaining because Rommel wasn't there. Mm. Oh, and the aide yeah. says, <laughs> well, of course you defeated, you know, Rommel <laughs> planned it. So if yeah. you defeated Rommel's plan, you defeated Rommel. Yeah, it was like the like I was like super slick. I remember yeah. the movies like like Mister like you know like Mister Cool like you know. Yeah, like Mister yeah. let's let's yeah. let's 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 put our nose up your butt and yeah. get it dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it'll the stay late, clean. The later he's also the one who, um, when Patton is saying that the British and the Americans are going to take over the world, the aide is sitting there going. Don't forget the Russians, yeah. which of course, and, and Pat clearly yeah. hears them and ignores yeah. them. Yeah. He just ignores it. He just ignores like, it. He clearly heard them. You know, uh -huh. he's like, screw <laughs> that. I don't like the Russians. You know. <laughs> oh my God, it's like uh, like John Dutton. You know. Yeah. <laughs> he just. I love that. I just. What I do they think they're doing in my valley? That's what I mean. It's like, oh my God. I know I'm, I'm obsessed with that. But again, it was just, I, I kind of liked the expectations, but I was expecting Kevin Costner to be like this, like again, this sort of grand patriarch, good guy, sure, like, you know, and yeah. And feel the dreams him. 25 years later. Yeah. And everyone's against him. Sure. We get that. But, but no, it's like, he's kind of going too far yeah. with things. Yeah, and he's and he's escalating things that don't necessarily need to be escalated, you know. And and the people come in and offer to pay him five hundred million dollars for like twenty percent of the rich. 
and he yeah. turns him down. Yeah, yeah. Keep the ranch. other eighty. My ranch. Yeah, it just, just like yeah, yeah. They they want to do business with him, and he's just such a like a prick, you know. Yeah. Yep. And I get I get keeping it pristine and all that kind of stuff, but I'm I'm also kind of like, yeah. I, and maybe it's something during your lifetime, but you know, when you're gone, your kids are going to sell out and then, you know, it's like, it's, it's going to be inevitable. I just, yep. it's progress, progress. I always like it um, that somehow, you know, that, that Edenistic thing and uh, a, a reoccurring theme of this podcast that's been talked about a ton is up until about 150 years ago, life for the 99.9% sucked. Yep. And the classic Hobbes line I've used a bunch of times, life was nasty, brutish, and short. I mean, just think about the, the hundreds of millions of peasants in the Tang Empire, which I'm, I'm fascinated yep. by the Tang, which was uh, 600 to 900 China, because they mm-hmm. invented all these amazing things. And it was a really, you know, like an, an incredible outpouring of achievement by a, by a civilization at the top of its game. But all of that was predicated on 99% of the population in steaming paddy rice fields, feeding it all and doing backbreaking labor seven days a week. I mean, you know, good times. And, and you know, that 32 year life expectancy. Yeah. (laughs) I think we talk about it in Borat. There's that great scene where he says, he says, it's my mother. And they bring out this old crone, Borat's mother. Uh-huh. She looks like withered, like old crone. And he goes, she just turned 40. <laughs> <laughs> it's like life yep. is life is hard in Kazakhstan. You know, it's like yep. life ages you fast. So I always like, you know, like, oh, we're going to preserve this. And I'm like, yeah, what, what, what planet are you guys living in? What fantasy world are you living on? <laughs> when the world was, when the world was pristine, it sucked for everybody. Give me, yeah. give me, give me everything from pharmacopoeia to air conditioning. I'm okay with that. Yep. <laughs> Burn me yeah, up some I, more and fossil fuels. I hear people complain and, and I'm just like, we have it better than humans have had it at any point in human history. Any point in human history. Any point in human history. Yeah. And it's the right place and it's the right time. Yep. So Gus, do you have any uh, kind of final thoughts? We're coming up on the hour mark already. It's a time flies. And by the way, we tend to get good downloads on the uh, Gus broadcasts. I don't know. It's probably because people are sick of listening to me. That's because Gus is Gus. (laughs) Or, or, or shall I, or shall I, get a big head and say that's because Gus is the Gus. Are you the Gus now? Do you have an article in front of the you? Gus. You're not yes. a Gus. <laughs> the Gus. I have, a, I, have a, I have a different article. Are you uh are you I like have, are you Gus the I God have, the God King? <laughs> I have transcended one article and ascended to another. Should I change this to be like the the history king? Now, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that, like, like a tire King or, um, I saw this movie out of, I think it was India, the monkey King. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that history King, you know, like the, the king philosopher of, King, the King of history. Yeah, well, that was uh, Plato, of course. That was Plato. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plato, the megalomaniac who, <laughs> who describes the perfect utopian a governmental society with yeah. a guy running everything who is just like Plato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think historians should be God. No, uh, as you know, two <laughs> two podcasts ago, and by the way, I got I got lambasted on Twitter for that one too. Why why wouldn't we want historians in the Oval Office? We're doomed to repeat history, and I'm like, yeah. The problem with that is. It's not like there's just historians in the Oval Office. There's one kind of historian in the Oval Office, like Doris Kearns Goodwin saying Roosevelt was great because he spent a lot of money. So was Johnson. You don't have Amity Schlales being invited to the White House because she would have told Biden, you know, the New Deal failed, right? It was a failure. 
you know, you know, your hero FDR locked up uh, 70,000 U.S. citizens, didn't tell his successor about the bomb and was surprised at Pearl Harbor. And this guy is number three on the list. Uh, you don't have Andy yep. Shales uh, being invited to White House. I'm like, I'm fine with historians in the White House, just not all of one kind. Ugh. <laughs> so, so yes, history king. So do we all need to bow? No, I'm not going to be history and, king. And, I think and, I'll just and put and put trinkets at your feet. Uh, uh rose petals. <laughs> I okay. Stole that. Stole that from coming to America. Yes. Of Remember when King Joffrey would would go anywhere? He'd have yep. his like his entourage, and then they put lion flags outside the hotel, which I thought was yep. a fun. That was a fun touch too. Yeah, Eddie Murphy knows his father. Is at is at various locations because he sees the rose petals and he's like, oh no, he's here. Like who yep. else are they going to drop rose petals for? You know? Yep. Um, awesome. Sam Jackson. He was the guy who mopped the floor in McDougal's restaurant. No way. Yeah. No way. He was an employee of John Amos. It was one of his very first roles, and he was on oh screen for God. about six seconds. Oh, it's one of those things. Yeah. What was his? Because I always know uh, Lawrence Fishburne was Easy Reader, wasn't he? No, that was Morgan Freeman. That was Morgan. <laughs> yeah, Morgan Freeman was Easy Reader. Yep. Morgan Freeman was Easy Reader. What was um, Fishburne? Lawrence... Fishburne, oh. Fishburne came out oh. in Apocalypse Now. Yes, and. Wasn't he the who was the mailman in Pee Wee Herman? Oh, I I don't remember. I never watched it. Okay, I think that was Lawrence Fishburne too. And then the, the they blew up obviously with the Matrix series. And yeah, and he was also what's what was his character's name in the Matrix again? I told you I'm old. It was Morbius. Morbius. Morpheus. Morpheus. Yeah, not Morpheus. 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 <laughs> as as opposed to Lesvius. <laughs> That was like a dad joke. You know, it was like, <laughs> like, you know, Sonny, Morpheus, <laughs> I'm now going to put on my jeans and, 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 and my white and, sneakers and my white <laughs> sneakers. And I'm going to put on a shirt over the roughly 10 to 15 pounds of extra weight I don't need. Whoa. Yep. And, and, and I'm going to put my <laughs> cell phone in my belt holster. <laughs> And then I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, what's this virtual reality thing here? What's yes. that on your what's that on your head, Sonny? What's what what tell me about the interweb? Yeah, the uh the newfangled interweb. Yeah, the newfangled awesome. interweb. I love that joke. Any parting thoughts? Not really. Just <laughs> just um, you know, be be cognizant of the farther you go into a series, the less creative it is and the more money driven it is. Yep. So if you want to awesome. line their pockets, if you want to line their pockets, go right ahead. And if you want to look for, for creativity and, and art and cinema, then four, five, six, and seven probably isn't where you want to be. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I love that the creative starts and the money follows. As somebody once like was said on the reviewing of rings of power, Mm -hmm. they're trying to write dialogue that apes Tolkien's. Yep. I mean, unless you're like some kind of a new genius, it's like you're all you're going to end up doing is looking, which is kind of what it looks like. It looks like a, a, a billion bucks because the CGI is amazing on this thing, yep. but it looks like wooden people with wooden dialogue because one, the actor and cast is never, ever going to be as good as Viggo Mortensen and um, uh, Ian Holmes, who played the who played Bilbo in the original. And of course, again, my I'm aging. Yep. The guy who played Gandalf, who's freaking amazing. I uh, yep. never and, gonna... and and the man, the the villain, and the man, the man with the golden gun, who yes. was Sauron. Sauron. He was Sauron. The white. The That's white right. Sauron. Yes, Christopher the great Lee. Christopher Lee. He had that deep voice. <laughs> yeah, the guy who played Gandalf. I, you just, you're never going to match that. Oh, I mean, Kate Blanchett's Gladriel, the new Gladriel. Like, yep. he, Kate Blanchett has that deep voice, that yep. velvety smooth voice. I mean, it's like you're you're not, and then you match that with wooden dialogue because. The like Viggo Mortensen and Gandalf are speaking Tolkien, and you're yep. speaking, you know, Joe who 
who, you know, came up through, I don't know, one of those bad robot, bad Star Trek movies. You yep. know, I had a credit yep. of writing on dark, you know, on dark, whatever. I can't even remember the, the, the JJ Abrams uh, uh, attempt to ruin Star Trek. Yeah. Kind of like the, the Rian Johnson attempt to ruin Star Wars. And you had, you had, um, you also had Rudy in there. Yes. Who actually was really good. Uh, Sean, really Sean Aston and um, Ethan. Yep. Um, I can't remember his name. See, this is, this is a sign with me now. I almost said Ethan Hawke, but I know it's not, it's not Ethan Yeah. And, I, and I, I wouldn't be able to come up with it either. Yeah. Which Although is kind I of sad. I can come up with Myrna Loy, Myrna Loy and Dick Powell in the Thin Man series. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gus, the movies ended for you in the 1970s with like the shootest, like John Wayne's <laughs> last movie. You know, they ended with Vertigo or whatever was uh, um, James Stewart's last movie. Well, and there and there and there was an absolute turning point in the in the late 60s, early 70s in yeah. America where it yeah. went from escapism to realism. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which was really kind of fostered originally by the French New Wave in the late 50s and early yeah. 60s. Speaking of which, uh, Jean-Luc Goddard, uh, he's dead. Yep. He's dead. He is. It's Why official. Are... And then although, always my although, line. Although he'll probably make an appearance at Khan next year. They're going to revive him? Iron Man's coming back. Oh, yes. Yes. In the, so in the multiverse, uh, Jean-Luc Goddard is, is, is alive. Goddard so is, dead, so is, is Howard, not dead? So is Howard Hawks and, uh, yes. and uh, John uh, Ford. They're all alive. Yep. In the multiverse, John Wayne, because nobody dies. Yeah, so they did. Okay, I've got a movie line for you. What movie is this one from? They didn't die; they just went home. Oh, oh, God! Oh, oh, I, I can't think of it right now. He was it they or he? It was he. I changed it to they. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, I changed it to they. It was like like and, and the he was Elvis. Oh. Uh, God, you men in black. Yep. Yes. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. That right there. Yeah, Elvis isn't dead. He just went home and this is where the car is like upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's true. They yep. he doesn't have time to go through the Lincoln tunnel or is it the Holland tunnel? It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, um, Will Smith is just bouncing around. <laughs> yeah. That's when that's before Will Smith was was slapping uh, his fellow uh, actors around for, for making for making comments on his genuinely frightening wife. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm well, sorry. That's why he did it. That is one of the, yes. Because if he didn't if he didn't slap him, she would have slapped Will. What I love is he makes the joke. Chris Rock makes the joke, and mm-hmm. one of the cameras on Will Smith has Will Smith laughing. And then he turns and looks at Jada Pinkett and he yep. just, that's when he just like, Oh crap. Exactly. Right. Either I slap Chris rock or I'm going to be dealing with hell. She, by the way, admitted, admitted like on Oprah or some, one of those shows that she was having affairs and he just, mm-hmm. and he just sat there like, Oh, well yeah. it's, it's her way, you know, yeah, it's just her way. We're not, we're not talking like, we're not talking like, like, uh, she falls asleep in front of the TV and you fall asleep yeah. reading a book and, Oh, this yeah. is a problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't fall asleep with the TV and she can't fall asleep without it. It's not like that. It, you know, the usual marriage stuff, this yeah. room's too cold. It's too hot. No, this is, this is weird. This is effed up. I'm sorry. That is just effed up. And it's sad because he was at one point in the two thousands, probably the most charismatic actor um, on the planet. Yep. Men in black, um, the, uh, I robot, a uh, bunch of, just a bunch of them. You could go on and on. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. Not wild, wild west. That was just weird. <laughs> it was just weird. I don't know what the hell that was. Like Kenneth Brando hey. didn't have the lower part of his body. I, I don't I know. Think you, I don't think you could live. Right. I mean, no. I don't know. Well, you know, how would you, how would you expel waste? Well, yeah, you didn't have a catheter on, you know, cause right. that would be gross. Yeah. You'd have to right. have a catheter if you didn't yep. have the lower part of your body. Yep. Yeah. No, I think the lower intestine would be below your waist still. I, you need so have it. you seen Belfast? Uh, I have not seen Belfast. 
very, very, very good. Is it? I've heard great things about it. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through it the second time, and I think it'll be at least four before before I take it apart. It's funny because you talk about like great or even prominent directors. So this character does Thor, which I actually yep. liked more than I think the critics did. Yep. Uh, it's just the classic, you know, he's Hal, right? He's got to yeah, make although, the journey. Although the best Thor far and away is Waititi's. <laughs> I don't know, though. In a way, it almost it turned Thor into, by, by endgame, he's fat Thor. And then he's like, yep. now Thor is an object of derision and jokes. jokes. Yep. Um, so, no, the... Um, the, so the, uh, Brano did Thor. He's, yep. he's re, reviv, revived Hercule Poirot. Cause yep. I didn't realize this, his murder on the Orient Express, like gross, like $250 million. And of course mm-hmm. his budget's like 50 Yeah, and Belfast. So, I mean, he's been making movies forever. Was very good in Dunkirk. Oh, great. Uh, Dunkirk, was am- Dunkirk was amazing. I loved it because I, I thought I was going to get the, you know, here's the, and, and historically it's such an amazing story. And I thought mm-hmm. that's what I was going to get, but this freaky days, hours, minutes thing was amazing. I just, because you get the story and it, you get the gist yep. of the amazingness of what happened there, but yep. to do it in such an interesting way, I thought was utterly fascinating. And it, and it, and it was broken into thirds by design. Yeah. One third was land, one third yeah. was air, and one third was sea. And and days, hours, and minutes. Yep. Yeah, like on yeah. Or, a, or a week, then days, then hours. I mean, I just saw it not too long ago, maybe six months ago. I was like, I don't want to watch that. They lose. Sort of. Those three hundred thousand men formed the backbone of, and it was three hundred thousand British soldiers yep. that escaped. Yep. Basically, the core of the British army. Yep. And a lot of those guys showed up later. I mean, it was just, uh, oh yeah, Dunkirk was really interesting. And most of it was the Royal Navy. I mean, there were pleasure boats there. Mm-hmm. Like they show Mark Reliance doing that. Yep. So that was true. It just, it wasn't the core of it. It was still right. like, and they showed it in the movie, like it's these giant transport ships. Because yeah. you're talking 300,000 men were evacuated in seven days. You're not going to do that with pleasure craft. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking Cleveland or St. Louis. Let me take two a day. Yeah, yeah, you're talking St. Louis or Cleveland, 300,000, you know? Yep. Uh, So, Gus, this was amazing as always. Thank you very much for uh, for, uh, coming on the podcast. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And check out all of our podcasts on our Buzzsprout site, but we are on all the major directories. We are on Apple. We are on Amazon. We're on all of them. So iHeartRadio even. So, uh, and the green Which thing. Which green thing is this? That... I'm pulling it up right now. Spotify. Mm-hmm. We're on Spotify. Uh, <laughs> so, is that so, on this newfangled interweb? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I'm okay. I'm a historian. I'm not a tech. I'm not a techie. Come on, people. Uh, bear with me. In any event, uh, thank you for listening as always. Check out all of our podcasts. Once again, thanks to our uh, guest, Gus.